Hello, everyone, and welcome to Work the Game. My name is Brian, and joining me is Chris. And this is our last podcast of 2024. And there has been so much going on. You don't think this is, you think we're going to have another secret podcast next week or something like that? In 2024? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Last podcast of 2023. I've already shifted into the new year. I'm ready I, because next year looks insane. It just is going to be another incredible year. We've seen like this year alone. So many big stories, so many exciting things to talk about. And uh, and so, yeah, but the first thing that we want to talk about today, because we want to talk about the Sony leaks, we want to talk about Final Fantasy 17. I want to give Chris the rundown of PAX Day. They announced their monetization plan, and so I'm very curious about his reaction to that. So, uh, But uh, I want to talk to you first about uh, the Game Awards. You messaged me. You're like, what did you think about it? You felt like I got the impression you were disappointed that you were wanting more from this year's Game Awards. And so I'm curious, what was that? What would you like to see? And what what can next year do better? I'm having trouble putting my finger on what Game Awards are supposed to be. Okay. Um, the general response and what I find myself getting excited about are the games that I have already played. So it feels like it's supposed to tell me that something I liked is good or that something I didn't like was not good. So mm -hmm. it feels like it's supposed to be an echo chamber, like in its very nature, and that we're supposed to root for games we played and be really upset if games that we haven't played One. are considered better, even though we have no direct experience with those. Yeah. Um, that feels like what it's supposed to be, I guess. Mm -hmm. But as we see things like E3 kind of go the way of the dodo which is oddly coming back so maybe maybe game maybe game conventions will come back because the yeah. dodo is coming back um like as we see them kind of work their way out because an industry-wide convention is no longer capable of being big enough broad enough or like easy enough to consume and so it's easier to just have like conventions that are more targeted towards a specific genre or specific mm -hmm. developer or or something yeah. like that um there's a void that mm -hmm. E3 used to fill. And that is, yeah. it's not super clear what the optimal place to release your trailer is. And it's not super clear to have the best celebrity announcements made. Like there's not a place to be just a popularity contest of like just hype. <laughs> yeah. And so in three and a half hours, it felt like we got like five minutes of the game developers that we in theory are cheering for getting to talk. And then we mm -hmm. got five minutes of announcing that a game won and then I have to decide did I play that game and if I did it's good and if I didn't play that game how could it have beat the game that I did play um and then it was just three remaining hours of telling me what I'm gonna buy next year mm -hmm. like I don't know if yeah. I got that math right but like I felt marketed to and maybe okay. I just received it wrong I went and looked for reviews and I went and yeah. like I went to go have my views realigned Mm -hmm. And I went to look for reviews and all the YouTube reactions were people live reacting. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch somebody rewatch the whole, I'm not going to watch a four hour reaction <laughs> to determine whether or not this person can give me some context that I'm missing. Right. Uh, can somebody just sum up how they feel? Um, and like, I found a couple of them, but there's some big moments. I, I thought there were some really exciting moments. So, and I think some of the games that won are incredible games. And like yeah. I don't, I, so I'm but not I'm also at all more, trying to belittle like why yeah. Baldur's Gate 3 took the world by storm and then the awards reflect <laughs> and then won. that. Like, yeah. like, like that's not weird. Um, it's the I announcements though. I thought like, because you asked, like you felt marketing too. It's like that I think is one of the key hooks that get people to tune in to see who won outside of 
rooting or fighting for your favorite franchise, okay. you know, because I mean, like, are the Oscars like this? I don't watch them. No, but like, the Oscars, the Oscars aren't like Oscars coming like, this year. <laughs> coming this year, and then you're supposed no. to like, okay, it's I just, the, it's just so yeah. like the thing about the Oscars is like I could just Google Oscar winners the next morning and like get mm -hmm. the same amount that I need out of it. And like, if yeah. somebody slaps somebody or cries really big, like it's it's going to be on the news. So I can just wait for the highlights. With this, like, I guess they were trying to make it something like you don't want to miss, like make it an event. Right. But I ended up feeling like it wasn't about gaming. It was about money. And I understand that gaming is a business. And so it's always a little bit about money. But like the awards is the one time to sit down and acknowledge the art of it. It's the one time to sit down and say, mm -hmm. this game may have only impacted a million players, but there yeah. is something in its sound or in its lighting direction or in its voice acting that is worth acknowledging that this is moving the medium forward more mm. than just on a balance sheet. And instead I felt maybe like, like I said, maybe it's misplaced, but I felt like instead they were like, isn't it cool? How many copies of these we sell? Aren't you excited to buy 20 games next year? <laughs> yeah. And <sighs> it's, I feel like the game awards are becoming that like, what e3 was but in kind of the winter time to kind of cap out the year maybe that's why the, maybe that's what right it is. yeah the, like you have two basically trying to draw in two audiences and and train them up and like my i don't actually have an issue with any of how it's run i think it's it adds to a lot of debate because you have people's personal games of the year how did this did this get nom nominated did this not get nominated you know what got snubbed like that's one part of that that but then also it's like well what's coming next and we're seeing because they announced the xbox series x at the game awards a couple of years ago that's where they showed off the device and that was something that was just like i think kind of changed the game of the game awards so you are tuning in because maybe you do have a, you want to see like who won and you know etc maybe get catch the musical orchestrations of 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 these games that happened in you know 2023 um, but also then you're like what are they going to announce and game studios and, and publishers have started to actually tease that we've seen you know like how announcements are being kind of doled out across the year and it ends up being a really good time. And for me, like the biggest takeaway, the biggest thing that I was like, holy crap, is Light No Fire. Did you see the trailer for that game? Did you see the announcement as a part of uh, your your journey through the Game Awards? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember any standout moments. I was I was having trouble paying attention, like just to be honest. <laughs> I watched it twice because oh, yeah, I was like, nice. I have to have missed something. The second yeah. time I watched it at like one and a half speed, but mm -hmm. um, like, and I just fell asleep to it. Uh, but like, no, no one trailer excited me. I'm not yeah. excited about You're not usually excited about it. What's on the, uh, what can and you maybe play that's, today? Maybe that's the problem. And like, yeah. because I don't care about upcoming games that I've never played. Yeah. Like I just, I'm not the hype guy. I've never been the hype guy. I've tried, I've tried to like, okay, well, if I just wear the shoes long enough, I'll eventually feel it. And I, I just no. never do. Right. I never get that hyped. And so like, it felt like the game awards and I'm over here going was looking for. And instead those <laughs> felt like commercials. So unless yeah. they're going to be as good as like Super Bowl commercials where they like upstand the show. They were really just a chance to like verify that I didn't need another glass of water from the fridge. Like yeah. it was like, it was an opportunity to get up and leave. Um, if my wife came in and talked to me, like I didn't even pause it. Like I just yeah. let it keep, <laughs> I just let it keep running. Um, so like I'm aware of my own biases that like maybe mm -hmm. trailers just aren't my thing. 
Right. Uh, because Unless I, it, because I'm I would, so I would burned back. out from vertical yeah. slices of alphas reflecting a game that might come out like the day before or after the day that we're on right now. And then it turns mm -hmm. out when that game comes out, those are just mm -hmm. vertical slices and it's a load of crap. And like a studio would need to shut down right. within like 24 hours. Um, like that's the sort of thing that like emotionally, I think is what goes on with trailers. Like it's just- I would, I would push back on a trailer. I think you would be excited about if it was like, hey, we're announcing this game and you can play it right now. And if it was a game yes. that kind of appealed to you, you're like, oh, I don't have to, oh, I can play it today. Great. Then, you know, I, I, I could see that working for you real well. But outside of that, like, and if it was a four minute trailer, I might pause it two minutes in and just go buy the game. Like as right. soon as I have enough to make my purchasing decision, I don't want to see anything else. <laughs> yeah. Cause they're going to show yeah. like, Oh, yeah. the, and then the guy dies at the end. And it's like, oh. why did you tell me that? Like why? we thought it was super hype. <laughs> Uh, that's, a, it's always a, a fun, uh, kind of approach. Cause like for, I've known this about you for years and it's always interesting because as people come in, it's like, here, I, I'm over here, like, oh, this is great. And you're like, all right. Like, and then in two years, then, you know, you get to go hands on with it. And then you either make that same emotional connection, whether it's great or, or you're like, yeah, it could be better, et cetera. You know, so what so, was the first like greatest year in gaming in recent history? Was it like 2020, 2017, something like that? It had it's to be couple, 20, it's been like four or five years of like, it, yeah, it's been like four yeah, or five yeah. years of the greatest game ever. Uh, greatest yeah. year ever but like one of those first years i remember the game awards telling me i felt like i got to know the personality of the games that won mm -hmm. and i felt like i got to use that to oh my god i can't believe i missed that game right so it sold me on games that have earned it as yeah. opposed to selling me on games that don't exist mm -hmm. and so it was I think that's what it is is i'm willing to watch a trailer and learn about something but i think you've hit on it yeah but then I want to go buy it. Right. Like I don't want like some of these Especially trailer games. You have a lot of games, games that they can you still have delays. These things anyway. might not. Some of the trailers yeah. that we saw, they may not come out till. Well, if it's a Square Enix title, chances are ten years. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah we could be looking at twenty thirty five games in the twenty twenty three Game Awards. Why does that belong there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would be something I would actually appreciate more about the just the marketing economics of video games. That it's like, can we just say, for me, like. If it's over 24 months, don't tell me about it at all. Just, you know, say, hey, it's within striking distance. Here we go. Here's the news. But I know I do go out and see of all things. Yeah. Yeah. Because after after two years, there's so many things that could change. Right now. Right. I don't want to buy tickets to a comedy show more than two years from now. Right. <laughs> I don't want I don't like. Like a certified financial planner that's giving me advice on my 401k. Yeah. More than two years out. Yes, please. My doctor on blood work. More yeah. than two years out. Let's go. Everybody else, keep it inside the window. Yeah. Let's let, there's, let's, there's nothing let's out there. Let, let's I'm not buying up. groceries for two years from now. I'm not right. buying video games for two years from now. I don't care what's coming to Netflix two years from now. I We don't need it. There's plenty. There's so much. There's more things coming out every month than you can consume. Yeah. Why would we care about something that's got 25 more of those overconsumption months in front of it? Mm -hmm. yeah, Especially when instead you could be using it to right. say, tell me like, have you never watched Ted Lasso? And you're like, no, is it good? And you're like, yes, yeah, so you should absolutely watch. You Ted should Lasso. do it now. Like, why um, are we still better, talking? Off, better off Ted also like in, in another really fun sitcom that has the name Ted in it. Like, <laughs> like absolutely Go now do it now. And, and so yeah. I think that, I think that's what I wanted from the game awards. And instead I got to the end and I, I watched, I watched it again and I was like, did I, did I miss something? Um, because I felt like I skipped, I felt like I was glossing over the first time. Yeah. And so I just kind of started like an hour in and, had it at yeah. one and a half speed.
I, I made the argument that because people are like, oh, you didn't want Zelda to win game of the year this year. And it's like, ah, like Zelda comes in and they have such a nostalgic fan base that I feel like it's almost impossible to beat them. Even if I felt like because I've made the case that I think Mario Odyssey was a, was better than Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild still won. And I accept that. I accept that fact. But for me, I then follow it up and saying, I do think uh, Tears of the Kingdom will be my game of the year 2024. Uh, it just obviously depends then, you know, what comes out next year, because like I don't get to play every game in the year. And I held off personally because I wanted to play Tears of the Kingdom on the Switch, too. I didn't want to hack, you know, around uh, the, the Steam Deck to get that 60 frames a second gameplay experience. And so I'm just kind of waiting for Nintendo to refresh their hardware before I uh, sit down and, and pick up that game. And so I, I'm looking forward to next year, because even if the game doesn't come out, in the year that I play it, there's like you said it, there's so much in the backlog. There's so many really good games that I might've missed. And I've been able to take time to, to play them and been, you know, playing through Elden ring. And yeah, that game was out. It was incredible. And they, they got more stuff coming, but it's still, you know, it's still such a good, it still holds up really well, even if it's not being marketed to everybody, you know, like crazy. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think maybe it just needed to be in separate, chapters over like a two-day event i think it wanted to be a conference i think mm -hmm. that's what it wanted i think it was trying to do a whole convention in four hours yeah and i think that's why it didn't um read clearly to me like i said there there are a lot of people i'm sure had a great time and that's awesome it seems to have generated a lot of hype uh, i enjoy the coxies more uh, yeah. i don't know if you watched i don't know if you watched the first annual coxies mm -hmm. um you know uh, jesse cox was able to secure jesse cox as a host <laughs> uh, gave some gave some really delightful awards uh like like the goodest boy to the best pet um and you know <laughs> most polygons uh in a butt uh and and just other <laughs> other pivotal key moments but what i found with the coxies yeah. was it was a chance to reflect back on both moments that i remember and moments yeah. that i maybe missed and now want to go google because like you noted like i could go consume those now yeah. like like if i missed something it's like oh well let me go let me like I just think award shows should be backward facing mm -hmm. like in rather than nature. forward facing. Like let's not well, give awards end. for things that haven't happened. And so why is it even at that show? So like, it would be a great time to play trailers to games that came out over the year. Maybe that's fair. Maybe every nominee gets to play a trailer. Maybe, you know, maybe remasters that have re-released and they don't get a lot of marketing. Maybe they can be at game yeah. awards, but they're out. Um, so like maybe it is product launches, but it should be things that I just think it should be more retrospective. Now, Izzy writes, how many years ago was Elder Scrolls 6 teased? I think this is a perfect theme. But before we jump into that, I do want to say thank you to uh, Anarchy for their tier one sub for 30 months over on Twitch. Really appreciate y'all's support. And uh, as just kind of a show note, if you guys are watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe, check out the audio version of the podcast. And I am highlighting that the, this gives me a feature to star various different uh, comments. So I am reading your comments and starring them. And I'm going to bring them up like uh, like Izzy. You just might not see it right away because I see so many, uh, you know, Ace talking about Light No Fire. And I want to talk Chris about Light No Fire as well as the Sony leaks and more. But back to Izzy's comment, it was years ago. Like it, And it's not even going to come I out for the, more I years. I think Fallout had just released a phone app. Yeah. I well, believe it was in the same Bethesda well, announcement. We felt at the time the announcement was good like. because they made a no, they, they made a they announced an Elder Scrolls mobile game and then they also went on to announce Elder Scrolls six. six. And that way it communicates that we're not 
making that full rush into the mobile environment, which is a big fear that people, you know, from just the cost to profit ratio, mobile does so. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's been that's, uh you know, easily five years. And I would probably venture to bet that it's probably three to four, maybe five years away from releasing uh you know who knows though we'll have to we'll have to really wait and see how that kind of that that kind of te- teases itself out now uh ace writes i'm looking forward to enshrouded and then light no fire the thing that stood out to me about light no fire chris and if you haven't really paid attention to that trailer it's done by hello games the creators of no man's sky now no man's sky they have put in tons of work into that game and people feel like no man's sky 2 is ingrained into you know it's just that evolution of this game as a service out for 10 years light no fire instead of taking place across a wide universe of you know infinite planets essentially uh, is actually one full-sized to scale planet and it has fantasy rpg style elements building it looks like crafting yeah and flying with dragons and it's just like the thing for me, and it's I, I've seen some pushback from you know pe- some people online who are like, well, you know, No Man's Sky had problems at launch. This is going to struggle too, and it's like at the same time, you know, you look at Baldur's Gate three and why that game received so much enjoyment is you had Divinity Original Sin one and two that they really refined their craft and then were able to deliver on it. I, I think that while Light No Fire might have some issues at launch. The team know you like I know that the team ain't quitting. You know that the team isn't gonna be like, well, we had a small setback, we didn't anticipate X, Y, or Z happening, and well, the game shut down the la- you know, the day before style. No, 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 no. They they ain't quitters there. And I think that's really something that tells me like I want to experience that at launch, even with the chaos, because I know that the game is going to persist beyond that and uh and so i'm really kind of curious about it now the question is is will it be fun we'll have to wait and see like there's no way to tell that from a trailer but it looks freaking cool it looks like it's right up my alley if you don't think it'll be fun for the first year then buy it later yeah wait till like, you, the great thing about two. these games is they they don't get more expensive yeah like they're not porsche 911s where for some reason they go up in value as they get older like mm-hmm. they, they you know they're they they go down um so you can always pick it up for all you know, like, oh, it's they just got a major new release, and now it's part of some Steam bundle or something, and it's <laughs> part of a $19 bundle. And you're like, great. Yeah. Uh, maybe it comes with No Man's Sky, which you never played, or something like that. Right. Uh, so, like, I, I think that's that's not a concern. Just play it later. But, yeah, I think that, yeah, I, I remember it now that I, I pull up the trailer. Oh, uh, yeah. But the name yeah. didn't, the name didn't, like, immediately stick with me, because, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spend my time worrying about a game that's not out. Like I I do it with MMOs because it's upcoming content for a character I already have. Right. For an expansion, you know, like that is the same as booking a flight on a vacation. I have not gone on yet. I am still excited about it. I'm still packing my bags um, because that feels more real. Yeah. But I get less excited about like Brian says he has a friend who has a lot of things (laughs) in mind that the has a lot in common with me. And that friend might want to go to dinner maybe sometime after next summer. Yeah. All right. I don't. I don't. Tell me when that's closer. Like I don't. Yeah. <laughs> great. He sounds cool. I guess. Like I just don't. I, it's not my thing. I know. I know that puts me on the outside, and I'm not at all trying to be the guy that's like keep it down over there. Um, 
because there seems to be a great party in, yeah. in the hype fest. All the copium getting handed around. Everybody's having opium a blast. Opium and hopium, man. It's like, you and, know, feeding in on both sides. <laughs> and they're all they're all having a blast. And I'm just quietly going home and going to bed on time. And and waking up early for releases. So like I will yeah. say, for all the people that say they're super hyped, then like launch day comes and like, I can't get on the servers. And it's like, well, you didn't get up at 5 a.m. Like, why would I get up at 5 a.m.? It's a launch. What happened to the guy that was like selling his soul over the last two years? <laughs> like that feels like a small price to pay. So I yeah. will wake up early for releases. I'll yeah. get up at two, three, whatever it needs to be to get me onto servers. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not going to sit here and drool over trailers. And for an award show, it felt like I was just marketed to. Thank you to Neff for 27 months over on Twitch uh, with that tier one support. Really do appreciate that, guys. Uh, and Jordan over on Twitch writes, Hey, Chris, did you finish your marathon yet? If so, how did it go? I did. It went very well. Um, and everything hurt. <laughs> uh, and um, I filmed parts of it. I don't know how much kind of came through and how much didn't because I was just trying to turn on my phone and, and say kind of some thoughts as every major milestone. It looked like I, there was one that I really liked and I went and it looked like I didn't hit record. It wasn't the focus. The focus was the event, but I was trying to like document it a little bit. So maybe I can share that with you guys. Um, but I, I, I looked very bright eyed and bushy tailed at the beginning and was like, this is going so well and I'm really having a blast. Um, and then it slowly deteriorated. I believe at one point there was crying. I believe at one point there was me saying, I don't entirely know why people do this. Uh, <laughs> so, but but all in all, like, um, it was great. I'm doing an ultra next year and that is substantially more, uh, concerning because when people look at an ultra marathon, that's anything longer than a marathon. Um, when they look at, I'm, I want to do a hundred miler. And so that's, that's mm -hmm. in the middle of the ultras Ultras start at like 30 miles and they go up to like well over 200. Uh, and I want to do a hundred miler. And I have seen people phrase that as four marathons back to back. Yeah. The first three quarters of the marathon was not after the, after 18 months of training. When I started, I couldn't run a mile, but after 18 months of consistently training, not saying I'm training, actually training the first three quarters of the marathon was not hard. It, it was mm -hmm. absolutely fine. It was a training day. I'm not saying I wouldn't have rather sit on the couch. I have yet to <laughs> hit the point where I enjoy running. So people tell me I'll eventually like, Oh, you got to really love running. I'm looking forward to that day. Um, but the concern is that it deteriorated rapidly over mm -hmm. the last quarter. Um, the last mile was like the most physical pain I've ever been in. And, um, it's not four of those in a row because four of those in a row would imply that then I get to go through the first three quarters again, which was really not that bad. It's 74 more miles of that last mile <laughs> and, and probably worse. Um, so that's a little concerning, uh, as I look to the future, uh, for Good something I want to complete next summer. Good luck with that. Now, let's talk about uh, the recent Sony leaks because uh, there's a couple of really interesting insights. Obviously, uh, it's unfortunate. The, the, I mean, it wasn't just leaks. It was they got hacked. They got ransomed. They didn't pay the ransom. And so then they dropped a lot of these assets online. And so while I have not gone to look at, nor will I show any of the gameplay footage from the Wolverine and, and you know, more, what's really interesting in terms of what they're thinking about in terms of their plans and, uh, and really where they go from here. Now, today I made a video talking about one of those uh, ideas that they're floating around, and it's that for Spider-Man 3, if you haven't seen the numbers, Chris, their estimated budget right now for that game is $380 million to make Spider-Man 3. 
That means in terms of their break even, they have to sell like eight or nine million units to break even. And then after that, that's when they become profitable. Here's the thing they're thinking about doing. They're thinking about either splitting that up into three games. Interestingly enough, part one, part two, part three. And my first thought was Final Fantasy VII Remake. You know, like, all right. And overall, the cost would be somewhere around 150 or more dollars uh, for quote unquote Spider-Man uh, 3. And so when it comes to the cost of games, we've seen such a kickback from the $70 price point. A lot of people frustrated still about that. And it's been interesting because that has not, I, I think, has not been well as well, like well received as where $60 just kind of like it just kind of came and then stuck. But I've seen so much pushback on $70. What do you think about um, the price of games, especially like in terms of both the budget for Spider-Man 3 and what their break even is or if do they go $150 or do they finally bite the bullet and say we're going to support PC because we just don't have the volume that we need um i mean things do cost large amounts of money what i think is interesting about those forecasts is that they were higher than previous games so they assumed things would get better and yet not all the games in that forecast did hit their numbers and so like it seems really brazen to have a mix of times you got it right and times you didn't get it right and go next time's going to be a PR. Like, I don't know that you've totally nailed your method. Uh, so when I read those numbers, like it just really told me how studios end up upside down. Yeah. Uh, because they just let these budgets get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and a lot of that is, is that IP sells games. Like when you mm, look at the revenue Delta between Marvel versus Ratchet and Clank, which right. You know, I, I don't know how to weigh those objectively as far as gameplay quality, but I continue the, the to hear high praise for Ratchet and Clank. Like David Jaffe was uh, so upset that people didn't buy. He's like, that game's so good, but yet it didn't have that that draw to get people to to spend the money. And that, so, that's unfortunate. That sucks. But that's also the reality of the industry. And it's crazy to me that that the IP generates that much revenue and like, yeah the IP draws a big, they take a big piece of the pie anywhere between 10 and 50%. Um, and so they do, they take a healthy size chunk, but honestly, it looks like it's a small price to pay for what it does to the revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you want to make a big project, it feels like you would have to do it with a big IP. Yeah. Like you're like, Oh, I have this great idea for this game where you go around a city. Okay. What city? Like it, it is it Gotham? Mm -hmm. Like, is it, is it Metropolis? Right. Well, I just like made up my own city. That's not going to work. Like it has to be, it has to be a real city from some made up universe that people will actually go pay for. Uh, he's like, oh, you set that thing in Hyrule, we're off to the races. Yeah. But uh, I don't care at all about, you know, Brianville. Like that's going to sell, <laughs> that's going to sell a million copies at best. Yeah. But the moment we move it to Hyrule, same game. No, oh, that's, that's 11 million copies. So like, it just shocked me. Um, Cause we very rarely get to see the concrete numbers. Right. Right. Uh, and to, it shocked me just how, big of a delta the ip was like i guess i always knew it was kind of a multiplier but it mm -hmm. felt like maybe a 2x or a 3x not, not like six or seven um it, it was it was huge mm -hmm. uh maybe i should have known that I, I just had never really spent a lot of time thinking about it the leaks as a whole it's a weird thing to encourage because i generally see right. the comments of like well then why don't they hack governments and why don't they and it's <laughs> like so the answer to this is that you want other people to get hurt like, right. like it's like well, yeah not to mention those things do happen that's just not yeah. what's on the gaming news that you're watching um and so it, it just feels 
yeah, there was the a big government hack and a massive transfer of Bitcoin like this year. So it does it, happen. Yeah, it does happen. And so it just feels weird um, that the response has generally been like, well, good. Like there's become this <laughs> giant animosity towards anything large. Um, and you don't get games like this out of something small. If you right. and I sat down to make a game, we can't make something like Spider-Man. Wouldn't matter who, wouldn't pick any well, two people. Do you think any AI people, could change you that? can't do it. AI within game development, do you think that could change that in the future? Not today, but down the line? In all of perpetuity, sure. As of today, I have yet to see AI be anything but a distilled down version of the real thing. Mm -hmm. I have yet to be, it can outcreate quantity, but I have yet to see it have quality right. in the content creation space that is better than the original. It is always a lesser version and it's always going to have some sort of weird mistake or artifact that's left over because it, it couldn't parse the difference between what made something good and, mm -hmm. and what makes something unique. And so yeah. like when it tries to make something unique, it's typically just trying to borrow from enough things that we can't pick up the pattern, but there's still a pattern. It's, mm -hmm. it's not creating new assets. It's just redistributing stuff that it basically stole um so i have yet to see ai so far be anything but like those old you remember the compilation channels that became like a really big thing for a while and they were right. just like oh here's the 10 greatest things and they were just grabbing like 10 images from people and, and there was like an ai voice describing mm -hmm. like they were polluting youtube well, for a bit they're still i mean it's just that, that with, with streamer highlights where that became a real question about like okay you're just repurposing content you know like and we saw that with like uh lulu uh, yep. You know, in the you know, in the uh, fashionista, and I was just like, okay, yeah, like it, you know, and it brings up interesting questions, right? Like in terms of like, is that something that's okay? And some people are, are perfectly fine with it, and some people aren't, and it's not, you know, like you know, when it comes to like, especially repurposing clips, it's it's a weird industry right now for sure. Because one of the things that I still want to see is I want to see the ability to do a revenue share or a join to a video that's a reaction to a video uh, because you can do that as a part of the shorts and you can do that as a part of like a, if you're a big uh, you know movie studio if you're Fox or if you're Disney or whatever like you have those tools but for us regular creators we don't have that yet and I think that you know again all of these things I think it's going to be interesting to see what YouTube does in 2024 because it feels like they're finally starting to roll out new features they've added in a new feature I haven't even tested it out yet that says, let me uh, kind of check your your chat history. I don't know if it's been added to us yet, but working could on really, it. Could be really powerful across the board. Yeah. Um, you could have, uh, like, like if you do a charity stream, can you just automatically have the ad revenue for the life, or a charity video? Can you just have for the life of that video? Mm -hmm. Five years from now. I don't want to deal with it. Five right. years from now, it's just Let's as long as it. that, charity has that bank account open it just funnels the money into it yeah off and then and then when you get your 1099 at the end of the year it just tells you how much went to your dot whatever um so that you can make sure you're you're following your taxes correctly like yeah. like those are the sort of tools that like it could it could fundamentally change all sorts of things um we're just not there yet and and that is not to not recognize how far we have come like mm -hmm. recognize that back in the day like radio and tv there were only a handful of people that could do it you know, and publishers for music have been this instrumental role and their piece in the industry has gotten smaller and smaller, but their revenue share has in many times gotten higher and higher. Um, and we're starting to see people circumvent it. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of that's been taken on at the large scale by really big artists like Taylor Swift, who's just like taken on enormous risk and had enormous success as a result. But there are also a lot of like 
like you can self-publish your own book now you can self-publish your own music now you can you don't have to have access to these publishers so now publishers have to better show their value they have to show that they're going to be multiplicative they're no longer just a gatekeeper they have to prove that their method is better um mm -hmm. which i think is good like they're i mean they're definitely there there are there there can be industry experts that help you along the way yeah um, but it can't just be like well you're not allowed in without paying the toll mm -hmm. uh, we've gotten a lot better at removing that that's just one element where content creators haven't quite right caught up and it's resulted in some bad behavior the uh i want to switch uh topics because uh i want to talk to you about final fantasy 17 obviously unannounced um, but, uh, it has been announced two things and I actually was in, it was interesting because they announced two DLCs for final fantasy 16, uh, mm -hmm. one that dropped at the game awards, but that was interesting. I was like, Oh, that's a really cool move. And then one for the future. And it started to set up this idea in my mind that I was like, Oh, is final fantasy 16 going to kind of have a similar kind of trajectory that final fantasy 14 has where they're like, yeah, we're going to release these new chapters leading up into final fantasy 16 dash two. Uh, but then it was announced that they've also disbanded the development team of Final Fantasy 16 to go work on other projects. Makes sense. That obviously then moves the question into Final Fantasy 17. What is to come next? We know Final Fantasy 14 is going to be long going. I think a lot of people speculated uh, that Final Fantasy 17 would be another MMORPG. Uh, do you feel like that's going to be the case? What do you want and where do you expect from it? And, uh, and I know that you are working your way to start playing Final Fantasy 16 at some point. Now that you have it and a PS5. Yeah, floor is yours. I, I I do think that there's a very real chance that Soken is the future of the name Final uh, and you know Final Ooh. Fantasy music and that Yoshi P is the is the director long term, yeah. like mm -hmm. at, a, at a larger just, scale. He's just in charge of so, Final Fantasy. So yeah. regardless of what project needs to come next, the fact that they can jump within within the name Final Fantasy, they can jump genre from mm. MMO to single player and still crush. Um, that's astounding to me. Mm -hmm. Like that was always a risk. And there were a lot of people that were ready to give them credit for that the moment they announced they were doing it. And I, I said, please be careful with that because then what happens is if Final Fantasy 17 had been an average game or even a bad game, there would have been all this resentment towards them like they somehow screwed us when all that would say is, hey, maybe they're just good at the one thing. Um, but it turns out like, they, I mean, the response has been astounding. Um, so it would be interesting to see them kind of move into that role and then be co-developing Final Fantasy 17 and 14 at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. 18 and 14 at the same time. Um, I think you're more likely going to see them now Square Enix saying, how many revenue streams can we get across these guys? And less, right. how can we double them down on MMOs? Mm -hmm. So I think this makes it in my opinion, less likely. The financial success of 16 makes it less likely that Yoshi P gets put in charge of another MMO at the same time as 14. Yeah, because I think you seems get like more a, yeah. money seeing, well, can he make the world's best mobile game? Like how many, how many right. talents does this guy have? Like we could just, <laughs> like why is he not making everything? Like if yeah. it turns out he's good at everything he touches, we should diversify him across every possible demographic interested in the words final and fantasy. Now, Izzy writes Twitter as a running idea that Final Fantasy 16 has moved on to Kingdom Hearts 4 development. And in that, I feel like there is some truth to that because a lot of the Kingdom Hearts team did come in to help out with Final Fantasy 16's combat. And uh, and that actually, I think, ended up being why the game felt so polished at, at launch. 
for me personally, I, I was just a little bit bummed. I was like, oh man, it would be really cool to see because I haven't finished the story that it's like, oh, if they do take this as an offline Final Fantasy game where in Final Fantasy VII Remake, they've broken that up into chapters. It'd be interesting to see like, what is it? What would that look like if like every two years you're like, hey, here's the next major chapter in the story of Final Fantasy. At some point, just like the problems with Final Fantasy 14, like that that picture is complete. So there is like a, an upper limit of like, you got two, like 2000 hours of a game you want to make sure that people are able to step into that into that game. But uh, for me, though, I'm still just kind of curious about the state of Final Fantasy as an MMO in the long term, where we're seeing lots of investment in the engine for World of Warcraft. And I think essentially that's going to be the play that they end up making. And uh, instead of seeing 17 as an MMO, 17 will probably be another single player, you know, story driven, uh, wow, you know, strong right well, and then really strong right it does especially with uh with chris metzen at the helm uh driving the net and the narrative of the next three you know chaptered expansions that are telling this bigger story uh, i think that will end up uh, it'll be interesting to see i think though for wow it th i would still think that more console support like it you know that has to be a conversation or some kind of destination along along their pathway because at some point you're the only one that's not in that space and it just might seem odd you know like you do you set yourself up in in 10 years to be like yeah this is the one game that you know you, you're going to go play what's what's easier but time will tell for that for sure now while monetization is an interesting kind of you know pivot into this next subject pack stay monetization has been somewhat announced detailing out uh kind of their plans it sounds like that they are considering going with a subscription model which i think complements a sandbox because you're not going to have the volume of players that you would with a theme park mmo so you're going like your impassioned players are going to want to have that your land they have to they don't have the full details but in terms of your the land and the buildings that you build in the world uh, you know, they'll have to have some way of reclaiming that. So if you unsubscribe, it has a very Final Fantasy 14 esque feel like you got a house. Uh, maybe I'm not going to unsubscribe. So that way, you know, when I come back, I don't have to like I found the perfect spot. I really like where I'm at. And I, I watched and we'll... some responses to it. I read a bunch of comment sections. I went off and read something on Reddit or Discord or somewhere about it. Yeah. Um, everybody that says that's a good idea describes it like it's a new idea. It's not. Yeah. Everybody that says, and that's totally fair and reasonable, and, and you can just walk away at any time. Oh, you've never played Final Fantasy 14 then. Right. Like people like, people like, don't play and they hold down the and sub. everybody that's okay with optional subs, they don't they they don't reference and it works really well in ESO because everybody mm -hmm. says it's optional. It's yeah. not optional. The, it, the, the, yeah. It, all it is is it's an option to have less than other players. That's the option, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, like you've got you have option. a if sub, you're gonna play you have a game, subpar experience no versus sub. right. You have the option to play a worse version of the game. The uh, does not the other thing they're floating. Phrases in hand. Yeah. The other thing they're floating is a WoW token, aka Plex token from Eve Online, which is interesting because that's one of the things that I've seen positive and negative as it relates to World of Warcraft. And as somebody who has never bought or sold a token in World of Warcraft, I've seen, you know, when, especially when WoW was in its lowest moment, people were just bashing on it, seeing a lot of people come out and talk about how the WoW token is the bane of that game because it makes the game pay to win. 
I'd be curious as to as to your thoughts. I think both the WoW token and Plex token came in after the fact, and the fact that they're designing this game with that in mind is curious. And I'm wondering if you are if you're pro about that or con about that, uh, with considering your history with WoW and being able to make tons of gold in WoW. I've also played with Plex. Yeah. Um, and so now the devs, I think there are devs from both teams, the event, even wow. And so like, yeah. that's why they make references to it. So it's not like they just picked out of the space. Um, and I watched some reviews that were, were like, people seemed okay with this. Um, it's a very dangerous road to slide down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I find that in lateral games like Guild Wars two, uh, the money component is there, but it doesn't feel like it's the shadow over the entire thing. Um, as you move into more vertical progression, like world of Warcraft, it is now a shortcut up the mountain. So it has more to do with the progression system. It on its own is not good or bad. It's just right. saying we make a lot more money when there's a running chainsaw in the room. Is that <laughs> dangerous? I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not less dangerous. Um, but if the running chainsaw makes you more money, great. But like, Guild War says the running chainsaw sits in this machine that holds it. It's fixed and it sits here and it, yeah. and you can, if you want, you can walk up to it and you can place a log in a machine that will lower it over the chainsaw. And wow. is like, there's just people with chainsaws. Like it's, and so <laughs> there, there are people that are getting ahead because of the wow token. It's yeah. chaos. Um, and it's, and it's because of their gearing system. Right. And so they're saying, well, it's all real crafted items. We're not directly selling power. Who cares if it's indirect or direct? Mm -hmm. Like the, I used to very much believe there was a difference between indirect and direct, but gamers are plenty savvy for the fact that we all call each other idiots and morons. <laughs> We're pretty good at finding the quickest access to be the best. Yeah. And so you can say, well, you've got to convert it into a triangle and then slide that through two squares and then carry it up the mountain to be the best. See, so it's indirect. Great. And people will just optimize that route and it and it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so building a game off of that, I think, is incredibly dangerous because once you let that money in, the one thing about the wow token and the Plex system that is definitely true is it will never be taken out. Yes. You can't get rid of it. You can't undo it. It's right. too much money. Uh, well, and it, that it's money like is say to, they yeah. shouldn't have uh, Fantasia potions in 14. They should just let us do that. That's the number one selling item on the number one revenue generator. Yeah. You I think more, I think more than the subscription, you know, like when you start to think about it, the subscription just adds that kind of that no. hook, right? Like, Hey, I pay $15 a month. I need to make sure I'm checking in on that game. Puts everybody on that even playing field. It's going to be interesting to see the impact, especially with uh, a sandbox because you know, I, I think we've seen, a, I, I feel like it's a more positive response in Eve, but I can't speak with personal experience because i haven't gone and bought a, you know, any plex they or better, anything like that. they have a better relationship with taxation in general so it's easy to understand how the plex system works mm -hmm. i don't think the plex system is fundamentally different than the than how the token works right but because of the way wow teaches players how resources work mm -hmm. people assume a lot of things about the token that makes the token seem worse than it is mm -hmm. um i still think it's incredibly dangerous but the way the token fundamentally works is that somebody out there doesn't want to pay their subscription and they right. have a ton of in-game resources and somebody else doesn't have time to play a ton, but wants in-game resources. Mm -hmm. So it's just RMT 
sanctioned. So right. I take with a, with my a little gold, cut, a little cut of that for the legitimately company. earned, mm-hmm. and I basically put it on an in-game auction house. Effectively, it's it's done more like a commodity market where it's following a right. trend line. You're not directly. It's not like I bought exactly Brian's gold or something. right. So Somebody it's, it's, said it's I'm willing to sell this, and this is, is what I'm going to get for it. Yeah, and and so you're putting gold on the market and then I'm putting subscription time on the market and like a commodity market, it's constantly balancing um, just like the pricing on like a ride share program or something like that. Uh, as opposed to directly selling gold, which would be wildly inflationary where it's yeah. just printing money out of thin air. This right. is actually pulling gold out of the system because there is a tax component to both the, the, the person's paying $20 for a $15 subscription. And mm-hmm. then the token is having a tax taken out of it. So they're actually, they're actually pocketing both gold and dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blizzard is in trade yeah. for being this sanctioned version. So, like, I'm not saying the token in the Plex system is intrinsically bad. I think Guild Wars does it the best, in my opinion, um, having lived in all three ecosystems. Uh, but that is because they've done the best job of it doesn't feel like I need it to play. Yeah. I don't have to buy it, as opposed to in WoW there are times that if you wanted to be a raider, you either have to commit to playing multiple hours outside of the content you enjoy to be allowed to do the content you enjoy, or you can just pay money. Mm -hmm. And so like, I have a friend of mine, he's a commercial banker, makes a very healthy living. He's very involved with his two kids. And after they go to bed, he has a couple hours a week that he plays video games. Mm -hmm. He makes a lot more money than I do. And so he buys wow tokens. When he plays WoW, every expansion or so, he'll, he'll jump in every couple of years and he'll do a single raid tier. When he does his single raid tier, he buys enough tokens for all of his consumables. He just he just treats it as a 50 to $100 a month sub and doesn't yeah. care because $100 to him is a worthwhile change so that he can spend those hours that he should be should be farming um, with his kids. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's just, a, it's just a cost of it. Just like if, he were to go out to trivia night at the bar and spend fifty dollars on a bar tab. He just views it as an expense, and it's why he doesn't play WoW all the time. He's like, it is expensive, so I play one raid tier and then I'm done for a year, two years, three years, and then he comes back and he does one raid tier, mm-hmm. um, and he just treats it as a cost. And so, like the WoW token allows that player to exist, but you are that means that the game developer is now incentivized to design a system where he can't just raid, right? Like that, that's, well, that's, and that's better then the, for wow. Right. But that's also then like, what is the MMO? Because if you just won the raid, like Diablo four basically could, you know, like there are other style of games that could offer that raid like experience without all of that excess persistence online that the MMO essentially 14 does. Right. 14 doesn't need a token to raid. Right. Your total raid consumables is a very manageable number. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you don't have to do anything outside of raid. But compared to WoW, it is a substantially smaller investment over substantially less weeks. Mm. So a game without a token was forced to design a raid system that players would enjoy. A game with a token said, if you don't like it, give me money. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Like, hmm. As long as, again, like, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out with PAX Day specifically, because unlike WoW... Pax Day is targeting the sandbox MMO, 
that it, you know like kind of this survival-esque like there's you know lots of grind there's lots of danger there you know it's that that social experience is what the developers say and target and for me like i when i look at that like that's attractive to me from a gameplay perspective but from an industry perspective it's not the popular option and so we were talking about that having played the alpha like what kind of model are they going with and it's like for as much as i think the subscription model is not the the future of the mmo like i think a sandbox has a kind of a level of exception to it because of its population it's not going to have 50 million players playing the game it's going to have 200 300 500,000 that are that are playing it and you want to have that uh that cost so that then developers don't have to incentivize you know cosmetics and all these other monetization systems so it's always going to be an interesting thing that's gonna be something i'll be following along as more and more of the information comes out because i i like what i've seen in pax day like it is an unreal engine 5 it's gorgeous like it's fascinating we've only been doing the building stuff and when they're going to be doing combat updates pvp updates and that also that adds a whole level of complexity that if you feel like you want a pvp and then all of a sudden there's attacks no uh, there's all this there's all this creation and you don't even have to like dig through ashes to get there like it's like a real game that's going to like actually come out so they got an arc on board mm-hmm. yeah they did i mean it's hard to gauge I- his tone yeah, it's funny, but I had to watch, like, when you talked about watching the Game Awards twice, like, I had to watch his his interview twice because I felt like it was so dense in terms of the answers that they were providing, and that was even before they wrote up on the article on uh, monetization. Now, uh, Link Prince comes in with a, a first-time comment, says, After watching Zeppla HQ, MTQ Capture, Authors, Savix, Matsu, Zekai, Asmogold, Drachnest, GCPM, Final Fantasy XIV, YouTube's videos, YouTube's recommends me your stream. Welcome in link. Love the, uh, the icon. And that is, I think a really good list. I haven't actually heard of Dracnest or GCPM final fantasy 14. So I'll have to check those out after the stream. So glad you're here. Thanks know, for dropping Drac. a comment. You do. I know, yeah. Cool. But not the last one. <laughs> so yeah, it's good that's, company to be in. It's a good company. It's a good list. So thanks YouTube for the, for the highlight recommendation on that, on that regards. The uh, also huge shout out Anarchy with five gifted subs over on Twitch. Really appreciate that uh, that support. Uh, Izzy says Drac is great, funny stuff. Almost as many kids as Brian. There we go. I need to I need to go find. I need to go uh, get educated on Drac. Uh, and uh, and yeah, especially for like us us dad uh, us dad squad MMO players. Uh, I was actually met enough. Like it's always interesting when you meet uh, like MMO players who have a family, and it's just their approach to how they they manage their time and balance uh, that approach. I, I find always interesting. Who's best... the mediator with us? Am I misremembering? You, could, I could be misremembering. It's it's been a little bit. All right, it's been a long time since we've been in the mediator. Last one was di- digital, so. And we won't be invited to the next one. <laughs> who knows? I got a I got a Christmas card from the Final Fantasy fourteen team, so I was like, cool. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, Neff says three kids is enough for me and my wife. Uh, I, I get it. Like, uh, actually, my parents are taking. So for those of you who are new link in this case, I got six kids uh, and my parents are taking uh, three of the kids tonight. And we're going to be down to a, like a three kid family. And I was like, tell my wife, what are we doing? Like, where are we going? <laughs> it's so easy to move. Like, th- like if you have to ever move six kids to any location, moving three kids is it's so easy and so we always kind of laugh when when we find ourselves you know with uh with a little assistance and in, in terms of that uh the kids and more um we thanked uh anarchy and we welcomed in link i want to give you some updates about new world because it's another game that we share in common 
Uh, it's been an interesting year. I think the year ended with a whimper rather than a bang. That's the expansion always new world, like just in general, it new ends world every in phase. Is, it ends yeah. every phase with is new world still out? Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, it started off. I think the expansion was a real high moment for the game itself. Uh, and the issues that persist are the the server queue times, and until they can get that fixed, like it's like I was like, yeah, when's the best time to play New World? You just got to go like two months out from the whatever the big expansion is, and you're gonna have a great time. But if you're trying to get in with that window, you might be waiting, and it's just that's not you know overall enjoyable. Um, but they have announced uh, their through May uh, roadmap for 2024, which for me is like, I really like they're worried about committing because they did miss so much in season four. So the dungeon finder and all of these other features cross, you know, dungeons, et cetera, like that is going to get pushed into January or February. But they did confirm that con native controller support will be here between February and May no specific target but i'm personally very excited for that and i right. think that feature alone will help push this forward but i would venture to bet like if i was gonna like we we're gonna sit here and say prediction time i don't know if new world's launching on console in 2024 but i mm -hmm. think we're gonna get that announcement that it's gonna be launching on console uh at some point uh during this next year they're gonna say hey maybe coming in 2025 or or what have you but it is i i would i would put money down that it's definitely coming to console and I think that's going to be an interesting discussion to have when that does happen. Within roadmaps, just to mm -hmm. derail a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Um, WoW came out with a roadmap and is close to it. And it mm -hmm. has drastically improved um, the general community sentiment. Like even when they miss the ball on something, I've just seen people have been so much more patient. Mm -hmm. um, 14 has always been fairly predictable, but they gave us a roadmap last February um, do you think that's going to become kind of an industry standard for live service games uh, that that we get these regular either annual or biannual mm -hmm. roadmaps? I, I think also, wow, right. Like the question ends up being is that do we see also wow shift into kind of like a 12 month? And I, I think essentially we it'll be curious to see what happens with 8.0 because we know that Yoshi P wants to kind of get back on that summer release. So I don't know if he wants to shift into the in the winter. So doing a two year, 24 month kind of, uh, you know, expansion plan for Final Fantasy 14, I think makes sense. I think WoW is tightened it up, though. And that's going to be, are. you know, and they have they have the resources to do so. Like when it's all said and done, if anybody could take a, a, a two year expansion cycle and push that into 12 to 18 months, it's it's Blizzard. They already and, started the development on 12.0. Exactly. And I think that's going to solve some problems and it's going to be More very interesting, it. right? It's going to, yeah. it's going to put that, uh, those big release numbers and those, uh, that those PR marketing and more back in your face. And that's actually one of the things why I think Sony is actually kind of in a lot of trouble right now based off of their just inflated budgets, but also they're shifting and failing into live service. They've had so many live service games already canceled. And they had a plan for 10. And I was always like, that's a weird number to shoot for. I think they just need two or three really high quality live service games that will take them from these major temple temples. But I think WoW is going to shift in and, uh, and have that tighter uh, approach. And I think the roadmap is going to be them continuing to rebuild the trust. And that's really what's more important. Like it's PAX Day, whatever they decide to do, do you trust them or not? Well, we don't really know question is is that do they say things then you know do you see the action follow-up that's what blizzard's roadmap gave everybody in 2023 
and then going into next year is going to be really important. And your face tells me you've you've seen some interesting news or a ghost. So what, what I knew this would happen within six to 12 months. I didn't see that yesterday. Bobby Kotick announced yeah. that he was stepping down. We knew that he was going like, away. Like but, we knew he's going away. Yeah, yeah. You, they the, a CEO's job is to land the transaction and then oversee the the transition. Deal. Yeah, and so they are paid. And usually, the way these big deals work is they are paid yeah. a big chunk of money, but it is either split up or tied to performance, making sure that they don't tank the place on the way out. Right. Yeah, uh, and that they encourage success. And so they're supposed to be there to foster stability and get everybody on board and so that and that can last and in some cases um that can even come tied to after they leave they are paid a portion of what they were promised in the mm -hmm. months to come yeah um, just to make sure it's like okay it's in your best interest that you really set us up for success mm -hmm. i did not think it would be that fast um I knew that he was not going to be here in January. And the fact is that December 29th is the perfect time for that transition to happen. Best of whatever the F Bobby get the hell out of here. However, before we dance the dance of celebration, my concern is the guy that we are all really annoyed with has a mountain of cash. This guy's a billionaire by all estimates. If he wanted to stay within gaming, there isn't a there isn't a studio or publisher that would not want you know somebody who took a three hundred million dollar company and turned it into a sixty nine billion dollar company to step in. So be careful about yes. celebrations. Let's hope that he's like you know what no, I want. I want a yacht. I want a president of a board. Yeah, for just like the Nintendo guy that went off and got involved, he could absolutely go become a board member a leading mm -hmm. board member of yeah. any company, any studio. Um, Cause he could throw his money and his resume at it. And they'd be like, well, people hate you, but you made a lot of money. And that's, and depending on his job, that like the role he takes, that could be his job. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to see him just take his billions and find just a part of the here. world that I'm never going to visit. Just go enjoy Go enjoy your life. Just dude. Go, we don't need to hear from you. We don't need you stepping in and creating all this nonsense the uh ren says maybe microsoft wanted a clean state oh yeah we we've talked about this numerous times that it was actually like it's interesting because there was so much Ill, uh, animosity and ill will towards activision blizzard that this acquisition like having now been complete does give microsoft the opportunity to be like yeah you know those problems that you hated we hated them too they're gone and it does give that ability for people who are like i'm never playing a blizzard game i'm never playing an activision game uh, to be able to say like, well, I mean, it is, you know, just because that's the label, it's a whole new leadership team uh, behind, uh, behind the, you know, same thing with three, four, three, like I've been loving the latest season of, of Halo. Uh, but one of the things that I know a lot of people are, you know, like they had a whole leadership changeover, which I think has been one of the best things. And whether that means really like the theory that people are floating right now is that infinite, like the multiplayer is just basically going to be their multiplayer for here on and into the future and then they'll release like single player campaigns you know as kind of like standalone stuff that it's like yeah and then if you want to do something and have some kind of crosstalk it like, should have it should have never existed it should have just been an expansion on master yeah. chief yeah oh dude master chief would have been it the ideal. infinite infinite should have been a new mode within master chief yeah it should have just expanded on master chief that's all it should have ever been mm -hmm. um my god 
I know that just derailed you being excited that New World's got a roadmap, but I don't like, care. Like I, I, I talk I, about I, talk when I heard about the news about Bobby, I was like, all news. right, I feel peace. I feel peace. You know, like it I just repeat that. <laughs> I just emotionally felt like we wanted to be done with him for so long, but he just yeah, like he, he just, had keys, so he just kept coming. He's he just a roommate you hate. Like yeah, he said he's gonna leave, but like he's got keys, and I don't know, he's bigger than me. I just, I'm just waiting for him to leave. Like I know he's leaving, um, but don't make him mad. So I'm just like, he, mm -hmm. he really has turned his keys over. Yeah. He put the last of his stuff on the porch. I'll be polite as he gets in his car, but I cannot wait for him to be far enough God. away that I can't see the taillights. Yeah. That's I, I'm, um, I'm not holding my breath yet though. Cause it, it really just depends on what he wants to do. And when you have that kind of money. Go hang out in a place where people don't know gaming. And they're like, <laughs> Bobby's such a nice guy. Great. Oh, yeah. Great. Oh, just go be go be a member of whatever club that is. Yeah. Um, Izzy writes, Bobby is a great businessman that knew how to squeeze and screw over the players to increase profits for the uh, stockholders, and that will be the nicest thing I'll ever say about him. Neff says, uh, just to point out, just because Bobby's leaving doesn't mean the new person in charge of ABK will be just as bad or worse. And I honestly think the people that they put in place, I've been following them, you know, for a long time. They're competent. And they're also gaming, you know, gaming first. So the CEO of Blizzard, like I've been a fan of his for for a long time, and um, I don't know, really know. Like, there's another person that's overall in charge, but I, Matt, something, or you know, um, forgive me on his name, but we'll yeah, see. he, yeah, we'll see. And I, but we'll I'm not see. worried about that, and I'm not going to sit here and spend time. Bobby's not about, a devil, you know, kind of guy. There are people yeah. out there that it's like they're not all bad. So maybe it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. With mm -hmm. Bobby, it's like newer is always better like i just yeah. like i don't just just leave just leave it's and it's been too long like it's not like mm -hmm. oh, well maybe bobby will change like it's 40 no. years of the same crap so yeah. just be done just be done you made your money without you activision wouldn't exist and so there is some positive in that um be done be done I just I'm, please I'm be done for something new just yeah. be done and like i really hope that he's not like it's like oh now Bobby's in charge of Square Enix. Uh, like, just, see, that's a risk. That's a risk. I, I don't know. Pile of money and a pile of people. He can he can buy up him. to ten percent of Square without any intervention. But after ten percent within uh, ja the Japanese market, like he'd have to have it approved by the government. But then he also has enough money that the government He's officials. He's not going to be spending his own money. There's going to be people that want him to continue making money oh, for yeah. them. Yeah. He made what he made, remember, as a piece of the action that he made mm. for even wealthier people. Right. Um, so he's made a lot of people very happy, and, and that gives him a lot of power. Right. So, how old is he? I don't know. I'll let you look it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I was like, I, I don't, he's been doing it for like a while, 40 years. But I didn't, I didn't think he was like where Jim Ryan is retiring and we're seeing, you know, different, you know, shifts within the Sony ecosystem. Like I, I just was he's, like, oh, he's 60, 60. Yeah. So he, he might have an itch to, to screw around for five more years or whatever or more. He just at some point, you got to think he seems so much older than Phil Spencer and Mike Moran. Yeah. How old is uh, Phil? 55, 55, man, shoot. So maybe we only got 10 more years. It'll be interesting to see if Microsoft is able to pull off its 2030 domination plans. Uh, based off of the information that's coming out, it does seem like he has shaken up Sony. 
And, uh, and right now they're, they're working to kind of catch up and, and pivot to see what will ultimately happen, which will be entertaining regardless <laughs> because the Sony no. faithful are going to, going to be real. We don't know that Matt's taking over. Like nothing's been announced. Matt booty. There it is. Yeah. They're going like, to let him, they're going to let Bobby see his way out, but yeah. Um, that is so great. Just be yeah. done. Be done. In 2023. I thought this was, I thought there was a very real chance he'd oversee like two more years because a lot of the way these franchises are like, oh, with call yeah. of duty, maybe transitioning off of an annual model and with world of Warcraft going through these big things. Like I could absolutely see them saying, well, we need Bobby. And then Bobby's mm -hmm. like, okay, well I need to be paid. And then, and then right. I'll have to sit here and let with Bobby him. Lord over us for another two years. Um, but I was hopeful it'd be next year. Yeah. This is, I don't even know how to receive this. I just didn't think it'd be this fast. Mm -hmm. That seems yeah. like it's so fast that that was like, like a condition of the sale in the other direction. Right. Like, no, no, we don't want you. We we don't, how fast you. were you willing to leave? Yeah. How long would it take you to pack up your office? Yeah. <laughs> Six months? Done. All right. Great. Oh, you got it done soon? We can have people help great. you. We can yeah. have it done in four. Yeah. I got uh, a friend. I got a friend who knows how to move boxes and uh, let's get in there and get it done. You know what? We'll ship it to you. Ritz with 13 months on a nine month streak. Thank you so much for that subscription over on Twitch. Really appreciate it. If you guys are a supporter here, whether you're on the channel or on uh, Twitch, uh, just note that there is an integration with Discord and uh, and so much more. And we really appreciate you guys uh, for supporting us and our vision for what the future is in 2024. Now, Neo says, what's going on with Sony as kind of the TLDR uh, Sony, uh, you know, was originally like the, the, the emails kind of highlighted that Jim wasn't worried about Activision Blizzard. He was like, you know, good luck with them. If they want to manage that, like, you know, they're just going to have so much turnover that they're just going to own IP and they're not going to do anything with it. But then the shift to where, you know, Sony is actually saying like uh, one of their things, one of their core strengths that they've had this entire time is market dominance. What that means is that they get to go to Activision Blizzard or they get to go to a Square Enix and say, listen, we've got 80 million potential buyers and Microsoft's got 40 million potential buyers. So we're going to pay you 2 million for the exclusive rights. Microsoft would have to come in and pay 10 million to kind of cover that gap of the market. And so they've had that flexibility. The realization, I think, eventually based off of the, you know, what we've seen coming out of the, the leaks and more showcase that, oh, Microsoft now owns Battle.net. Microsoft has tried to buy Steam. You know, they, they wanted to be in that market. But I think that what you see now and the realization is that not only do they have mobile with uh, with King, but they also now have Battle.net. And I venture to bet that in 2024, Battle.net becomes their PC storefront for all of their PC Game Pass games. And then all of a sudden, not just to compete with uh, with Steam, but to compete with that market dominance where uh, PlayStation will no longer have the ability to come in and you know offer that because Microsoft can say, hey, we can not just give you 40 million you know Xboxes as opposed to PlayStation's 80, but we have 200 million devices you know that are ready to go that we can stream these games to, that we can have this PC storefront. So that's the industry shift that's happening. And then, you have Sony floating that they want to think about charging $150 for video games. And then you have Microsoft Game Pass. And so those two things are vastly different and they're going to be vastly different um, to see. So I don't know who's going to win in the grand scheme of things, but I tweeted out a picture of kind of the Blockbuster logo, but it said PlayStation. And it's like PlayStation 
like they're they're going to have to pivot and pivot hard. Um, I don't know if it's going to work out for them, but it's going to be interesting this, to say. If we look back at the beginning of this console generation, yeah, Phil Spencer said that he believed he was competing with Google, Apple, Amazon for people's eyeballs. That PlayStation was not his biggest concern. That the big streaming giants and the big multimedia giants were his bigger competitor. Yeah. And Sony came out and said, people don't like backwards compatibility. People love being trapped in an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And everybody cheered for Sony. And, you know, on that side of things and everybody cheered for Xbox on that side of things. And there was two very distinct camps, both thrilled about what they hear. What we're seeing is that Phil's vision is more aligned with the broader market once you get beyond the fan base. Right. There was cheering on both yeah. sides, but right. that cheering is is 5%, right? Mm -hmm. There's a bulk of people, people that I meet at work, they're like, oh, you play video games? I play video games. And I'm like, really? What do you play? And they're like, yeah, I, I bought an Xbox like five years ago and I have like one game for it. I, I don't know when I, when I booted it up. Yeah. That's a huge chunk of revenue. Those people, they buy one or two games a year. They don't, they don't watch live streams. They don't watch YouTube videos. They don't. So they're not labeled as fanboys of mm -hmm. either side. They don't get super passionate. Um, and, and most of those people I meet, it's PS5, like yeah. PS5 has a huge market share within the like ambivalent, just generic. Mm -hmm. I just want to have fun. Sony um, like for and, and their cost and it's given them a lot of right. power. Well, and it's also like, I feel like Sony's really earned the reputation of quality games. They're willing to spend, they're willing to let a game take another two years to release so that it is a well-done game. I think that ends up and can be a double-edged sword. Uh, because then all of a sudden, if your quality starts to dip, then the the reverse, uh, you know, snowball happens. And then all of a sudden people, you know, are, are shouting, you know, from the rooftop that no, it's like, because when you look at 2023, like everybody's, you know, the meme is Xbox got no games. And then 2023, it's like, well, they got actually Xbox did really well this year. <laughs> 2024, people are kind of curious about what it's going to look like for Sony. Uh, Colin says, uh, if game prices go from 80 to 150 dollars, I believe that we'll see another market crash in video games. I don't think we will see a crash uh, in terms of that because you have something like Game Pass, you have you know competitions where someone's like, basically, here's my thing: like, I don't get emotionally invested if a game costs uh, 150 or 200 dollars. If it's just too expensive, I just go play something that that isn't. And I have such a library of games because I'm very fortunate. That I don't have to sit here and worry about that. Chris is a little bit I blurry. I, I've been high today. I'm in and out today. Uh, oh. The where does the hundred fifty dollar number come from? Is that a real leaked number? Yeah, it comes from their documents, but it also comes in oh. terms of them. I just assumed about it was some hyperbole. I didn't no. realize that that was like well, a direct. And, quote. and like the it point that like I made earlier is that ninety nine ninety nine. Right. Like, why would we not stop well, at some nice? They're they're talking number. about breaking it up. Like that's where like, hey, Spider-Man three is now going to be Spider-Man three part one, and then part two, and then here's the multiplayer component. And yeah, theory, those are full featured games, right? Right. And so like, you don't get in mad theory. at God of War that they didn't just come out with one game that like, ties into Ragnarok, etc. No, you're not. The um, like, oh, the said, this, is, this is already happening, and and Square Enix is doing that with Final Fantasy seven remake. You know, they're breaking that up and they're splitting that across uh, three different games. Who knows? Maybe right. more. They could be like, this is so profitable. Let's keep this train rolling. If people are willing to pay and, and experience hey, that's it. That's why the team broke apart. They're like, we don't want to get trapped in this. Because you yeah. hear about that in some of these oh, yeah. franchises. Where, like, it's a like real Smash thing Brothers. with the development. Smash Brothers right. is one, for example, where he just couldn't step away. 
Right. Um, where where he keeps something trying. is just so <laughs> profitable and they just get trapped. Yeah. Thanks guys for the 11 likes on the stream, by the way. I really appreciate y'all support. Uh, Pyral says Microsoft's trying to monopolize gaming because they aren't willing to pay like Sony is for exclusives. I think that Microsoft doesn't want a world of exclusives. I think essentially the reason why they don't want to pay for that is that they knew this lawsuit was coming up. They, they were looking at their 10 year plan and their plan is to put games on PlayStation. They, they, their, their goal stated is they want game pass on PlayStation. The only way I can see that happening is a concept called leverage. You need a massive ton of leverage to where people are like, like you're not going to sell any playstations because we literally have everything else. You know, and that's the that's the risk. And I don't want I don't want that future. I want them to sell in PlayStations because I want competition. But I think Microsoft really just would rather just have games. Just Sony, games. I mean, Sony is very good at buying individual titles, which is, is the strong play. Right. But that's how the they. Short, that's in how the they, short term. Yeah. But in the long term, Microsoft is like, yeah. But if I get Microsoft behind me, they're not really interested in me buying one game, but they mm. will let me buy studios. Right. And then the, they yeah. just buy the whole source. That, that's um, worked out well for Sony um, in the in their absence of live service games is to have those exclusives which drive those those media points. I don't know that buying Bungie was a success for Sony. I don't think based off of everything we're seeing, it is not. They've laid off people. They said they weren't going to lay off people. Bungie's scrambling. Destiny 2 is in a bad state. Things are getting delayed. There's threats that Sony might come in because they haven't hit certain metrics and take over the board of you know bungie and yeah and the morale is absolutely super low and unfortunate and in the long scheme of things i mean we don't i hope they can turn it around i, I think you know i bungie's an interesting studio to say the least and i think when it's all said and done they built a really good game and i really hope marathon ends up being a really good game but i wouldn't be Oh, hey, <laughs> Chris is uh, <laughs> the haze is gone. Now you can see his smiling face clearly. Um, but yeah, so people. Yeah. And then Kevin uh, says people buy PlayStation for exclusives, not because the hardware is so much better. The thing, though, is that that is, I think, the old model. The new model will be that if just like PlayStation and Nintendo, they have their exclusives. Let's see. They keep that model and they do not multi-plat. Their people are going to buy them for the exclusives and then they're just going to play other games. And so those are going to be the thing like that's my Nintendo that I played my Nintendo game on. And then I play all the other right. games right. everywhere else. And it's like and so that it just gathers dust and the model and the thing that I push back and I try to educate people on that model of selling PlayStations. The reason why those exclusives don't have microtransactions and stuff is because they get 30 percent off the sale of other games. So if that goes away their business model, you know, it crumbles. And that's where you're starting to see, you know, increasing in prices and so much more. I can't say that that's going to happen, but if they're not selling third-party games, like Nintendo doesn't sell third-party games, but they have, that's why you don't see Nintendo lower their prices at all. Like, it, it's a rare holiday if Nintendo no. puts a People discount like, oh, on one of the so games. so now that there's a new Zelda game out, can I buy the old one cheaper? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, they, they had a sale tab on their website and I couldn't figure out how to use it. And I think it's because nothing was on sale. Yeah. Uh, now, every once in a while, they have little indie yeah. games that feel like they're $10 off, but like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't discount the same way that I could go pick up an old PlayStation game right. from effectively a $5 bin. Yeah. Now, what's interesting here is Izzy puts out uh, Xbox, Halo, Redfall, Starfield, Sony, God of War, Spider Man in terms of quality. You know, I think that's a good debate that gamers can have, but 
to kind of Forza's highlight in well terms received. of numbers. Forza yeah, Forza's exclusive. Forza dominated. Um, it may not yeah. be Starfield. Style I think game. was really high quality. Um, now, when you play Star Citizen, it, it really kind of highlights that it's not the best space sim for sure. But in terms of an RPG, it's Fallout in space, and I never enjoyed Fallout for its theme. However, to push back on quality, like the games move they make money halo making money redfall made money starfield making money that's the power of game pass you can you can have that library and their and their willingness to continue to support i know redfall got a lot of hate it's a fun game like it 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 is a it's a fundamentally interesting game um and i you know it's broken there's things that i i it drives me nuts like drop in drop out multiplayer not existing like it there's things that it's like this is 2023 guys what's going on but then the team, you know, like uh, obviously had to work through COVID. So I was like, ah, I can give dev, you know, understanding and, you know, credit in, in certain ways. But yeah, I, it's a weird thing because yes, God of War Spider-Man absolutely higher in quality than Halo, Redfall and Starfield uh, easily. Monetarily, that becomes like, well, Sony spent an insane amount of money to make those two games. Microsoft made okay games and he, they made trillion you know millions of more dollars like it's just in over not just one time but every single month we got a super chat for uh the podcast thank you leo for supporting says seeing the leaks i can happily say that the ps5 was my last playstation i will just switch mobile pc going forward only movies being games at sony what do you think chris i this is and this is yen, which I would say that there's been a lot of frustration within the Japanese market because Sony has really shifted to a more American mindset, and some people feel like there's an identity crisis there as well. I, I, I think I've definitely had that frustration where something's the last of something. Um, mm-hmm. But like like my Switch, for example, I, I buy it. I buy very specific games for it. Yeah, it's a very rarely used console for me. It's a phenomenal console with phenomenal games, but because it's so limited in its application, mm-hmm. um, I end up not using it very often. And so I think the question would be like, what what gets you to buy a PS6? Like, because I think I don't think this mentality is weird. I, I think it's no. it's right on point. I think this is how exactly a lot of people are feeling. So now the people haven't become, hit it yet, but they what, will. What yeah. causes? if there's a thousand people that feel this way, if there's a million people that feel this way, Mm -hmm. what causes 300,000 of them to buy a PS6 anyway? Is there anything that Sony can do? You know? And so is there something they can change because the PS6 isn't coming out tomorrow. So like, what can they do within their course correction to shift that? Um, Because it almost feels like they have an animosity towards their fans sometimes with a backwards <laughs> of backwards compat with their view yeah. on like you don't own anything you never technically do with digital the, but like the terms that to... say you can't sell your ps5 games even the physical ones it not like no one's out there enforcing it but that was recently like re-brought up or rediscovered or discovered feels like it, it's um who is it that owns dnd uh, wizards of the coast wizards of the coast yeah they did the same thing they went through this whole phase where they just decided like our fans are petulant children and we hate them. <laughs> and like, that's not a good long-term yeah. relationship. Like, I it, do, has to, yeah. it has to cut both ways. I like, do agree theory, with These Hulk. are people that are yeah. passionate about the product they develop and they're part mm. of the community they develop right. for. Yeah. And Sony, it doesn't feel like that's them right now. And maybe that's just, maybe it's just that the, that's not outwardly being shown. I know that sometimes as a fan of both World of Warcraft and mm-hmm. Final Fantasy XIV, there's yeah. this accusation that WoW devs don't play their own game. 
and there's this and there's this immediate trust that all Final Fantasy devs do play their own game. Yeah. And that is a perception. Like in reality, there are probably Final Fantasy devs that are maybe on a break from 14 for maybe extended periods of time. Right. And, and I know for a fact, because I know some, that there are WoW devs that very passionately love and play WoW. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the perception is that it is all one and none of another. And, and I feel like the perception of PlayStation has shifted to where it, I don't know what gets you to buy a PS6. I think saying the PS5 is your last PlayStation is a very logical statement right now. Yeah. I agree with Tilk saying maybe uh, certain games need to become cross-platform. And I do think that like it's either they raise the price or they figure out a way to get more people to buy consoles or they go to where the people are. And that's the thing. That's when I see the diehards saying like, no, like that will be the death of PlayStation. It's that I look at the handheld market where the more cross games that are just playable in more places, we've seen a massive amount of investment in handhelds where Nintendo has had that on lockdown. Now you see things like Steam Deck. Now you see things like G Cloud. Now you see things like, you know, Nacer, et cetera. Like, I think you could, in theory, see a future in which that PlayStation is the brand, but you have Philips making the or manufacturing a PlayStation for you. And then you, as the buyer, decide whether you want to buy into the ecosystem. And it doesn't, and the hardware might be different, you know, in that regard. So, and, and I think that would be an interesting thing, especially with the, the with cloud. I continue, and we've been shouting how insane this is going to be in the long run. Um, you know, GeForce Now with uh, with Game Pass, uh, it, it, it's it's such a great service. People asked me today, "Will I buy another gaming PC?" Being that I play so much in the cloud, and I go, "Well, it really just depends on on the games." But the value or the need to go and invest in the next G, you know, NVIDIA GeForce card is rapidly diminishing as more and more games enter into that service. And now I know that's not available to everybody in terms of their Internet, but that's a that's a function of time. I will absolutely upgrade my gaming PC uh, at least one more time. But that has come at the expense of promising that I'll buy the next gen consoles. Yeah. So it's the same budget that's allowing for that. Yeah. Right. Like I used to feel like, I don't know that I need a new PC minus fine, but I'm mm-hmm. definitely getting the next Xbox or the next PlayStation right. or wherever it is I'm gaming. Um, I currently own a PS5 and an Xbox. I have the Series S because I don't have a 4K TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's great. Uh, yeah, thing. But, but like, I find myself more and more, like I, I was playing in an Xbox Live party last night on my PC. Yeah. And it was effortless and it lets me use this microphone and these headphones and it's Mm -hmm. in this chair, which is just better than, you know, my current console setup. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I, it's, it's, especially because like consoles aren't tiny anymore. Like when I look at Xbox series X, a series X is just as big as my gaming PC. Mm Mm-hmm. Every bit is big. And now that's because I have a smaller form form factor gaming PC, but like Mm -hmm. I can fit my entire streaming setup. That PC, microphone, headphones, I can fit all with the monitor, all my peripherals inside of a carry-on suitcase. Yeah. Xbox Series X gets real close to the same size. Well, it's and it's much um, smaller than the PS5. My PS5 is it's chunky, you know, like it is a big device. And I, even I the slim my, model. I bought a mini fridge like right. when it arrived. She's Huge. like, Oh, did you get a fridge? <laughs> no. Now, Ren says PS Portal is probably Sony's test of the viability shifting to the Portal gaming market. I do look forward, and I've made this case online, and Chili can attest to that, who's just sounded off in chat. 
uh, about like I'm looking forward to the PS5 cloud edition because you know and he actually helped me because I have the Logitech G cloud there's an app that you have to pay five bucks for because Sony's not supporting it natively because probably the PS portal um, but it allows me to play my PlayStation 5 right on my handout and it's beautiful it's great seamless it works wonderful and when I saw the PS portal I was like oh that's that makes sense you know like and if they open it up to where now you have a you know a ps5 in the cloud and you don't need a physical one in your house yeah like go for it you know for people who want that experience you know i think that's gonna it's gonna be a real game changer i think the what playstation is doing with their cloud version though is much better than what microsoft has done so far because microsoft doesn't it only lets you play the games that are in game pass and not the games that you own and have licensed you know <laughs> through the service so uh, GeForce now is actually better than uh, I think xCloud so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out Chris you got any final thoughts uh, we went a little bit long today but I appreciate you, you hanging out with me long. I'm hungry um, yes. I, I did my run right before this Good. Uh, so no I, I'm I'm I feel better talking about my view on the game awards and mm -hmm. uh, it, it feels like we're moving into a generation where all levels of gaming are doing well we're seeing single player games do well I feel like MMOs are doing well um yeah it's a good end to 2023 mm -hmm. yeah and then as we sign off uh for 2023 thank you all so much for being here welcome to everybody who's been new be sure to hit that subscribe button and, and like if you haven't already lao actually is, is saying that game pass is actually popular in japan uh, japan that's what i keep hearing it's it, cool. it, it removes so many issues and barriers in it's my netflix mind. for games it's netflix like it's, for games it's fantastic yeah it's fantastic and it's gonna. I wish it was a little easier to search. Yeah, um, it's not really any harder to search than Netflix, but like sometimes yeah. I'm like, I want to sit down and play. I have three friends. Here's the kind of games we like. Mm -hmm. Help me, and I don't know Let's what go. I need. I don't yeah. know if I need like an AI power version of Clippy that's like, you know, <laughs> helping me out. But yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, cool. guys, just wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. We'll be back in 2024. Uh, and thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you, Lau, for your support here as the Super Chatter. Thank you to Liz, Riz, Anarchy, Neff, uh, and uh, yeah, for your uh, for your support over on Twitch. I wish you guys all the very best, and we will see you in the future, and we'll see you in a year. Uh, see you guys next year. But until then, take care.